You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Glory Days, part five of six. Enjoy. Your mind still stayed on him, right? You didn't come to hear a person preach. My goodness, that would be boring, right? We came to worship Jesus, right? We're relying on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're here to to receive, right? So God's brought us together. He's building a new church in New England, and boy, it's a powerhouse. It's a vibrant place where lives are changed and needs are met. So we're relying on the Holy Spirit, and you want to get, get into that habit as well. Just listen to the anointing, rely on the Holy Spirit, okay? So we are talking about the glory of God at Highway Church. We're doing a series entitled Glory Days, and boy, you've got to know that your glory days are not behind you. They're here now. Your best days are in front of you. And through Christ, God has brought us into a life of ever-increasing glory. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. You did it all, and we give you our all. Holy Spirit, we're listening to you. We're receiving from you. And your anointing this morning, and your anointing breaks every bondage, shatters every yoke, and sets us free. We thank you for freedom in you, for new life in you, and your glory manifest in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you know there are truths in the Bible that have been religified? I think I coined that word. I don't know if you... But what is what I mean by religified? There are things in the Bible that have been clouded and covered by man's theology. And as a result, they're not understood or, or experienced or, 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 or known by so many. And the glory of God is one of them. And, and kind of what I grew up hearing in churches that the, if it was ever mentioned, it was something way off in the distance that you didn't dare touch or it's something we'll never understand. And maybe when we get to heaven, you know, then we'll see the glory of God. But certainly it was not something that was accessible to us now. And there are varying degrees of that kind of thinking. But when you go to Jesus, which is what we like to do at Highway Church, we, we're not interested in hearing what I think. How boring is that, right? We want to go to Jesus. When you go to Jesus, you find the glory of God is not something way, way off in the distance, but that if you've put your faith in Christ, it's in you. Let's look at John 11. Can you pull that up for us, Eden? John 11:40. Boy, I like this. This is Jesus talking. And he says this. Did I not say to you, If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, who was he talking to? Well, he was talking to a lady named Martha. What was happening in John chapter 11? Well, Martha and Mary's sister, brother, Lazarus, was sick. He was sick, and he had been so sick that he actually died, and he was in the grave for four days. And Jesus got there on the fourth day. And Martha and Mary were grieving. The family and friends were there grieving for the loss of their brother. And Jesus was at the tomb. And he looked at the tomb and he said, take away the stone. Man, what is he thinking? And Martha said, if we take away this stone, there's going to be an awful stench. Because he's been in the grave for four days. 
And that's when Jesus answers in the verse we just read. He said, did I not say to you, and we're not going to read it all, but that's what he said to her earlier, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And then what does he do? So they take away the stone. They listen to him. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. He speaks the word, and the glory of God raises Lazarus up. And he comes walking out of the tomb. So based on the word of God, we've defined the glory of God very simply as the supernatural life of God. The supernatural life of God. And if you believe, you will experience it. And we don't have the scripture up there, but in John 17, 22, I don't think we do. In John 17, 22, Jesus is praying, and he's talking to his father, and he says, the same glory you gave me, the same supernatural life I have given to them, to those who believe in him. The same glory. Isn't that amazing? So the same supernatural life that God the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus gave to us. That's just the Bible. So we've got to get in the habit of believing that in our daily lives and not looking for it, but expecting it, knowing it's inside of us. Whatever situation may occur, whatever the need is, his glory is in us and will manifest in whatever way that we need it to manifest. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says that we have been buried with Christ through baptism. So that as Christ was raised from the dead, you know, that took a lot of power because the curse of sin, death itself had him for three days. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory, the supernatural life of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That same glory that was in Jesus is in us now so that we can walk in the same life that he walked in. Isn't that great? That's the Bible. That's the Bible. So we experience God's glory not by looking for it, but by believing. Believing that it's in us. We've received it by faith. We experience His glory by faith. Now, you understand that Christianity is not about us doing all the right things so that someday we can experience God's glory. It's about Jesus who did all the right things so that now we can experience the glory of God. That's what it's all about. It's about what he did, not what we've done, right? So man's theology puts all the emphasis on us and our actions. What you've done or what you haven't done, right? But the Holy Scriptures the Bible puts all the emphasis on Jesus and what he did. He's the key to understanding the Old Testament. He's the key to understanding the New Testament. All the emphasis on Jesus. Now, that's so important because we have an enemy, whether you realize it or not. We have an adversary. Jesus teaches us about Satan. He's a fallen angel, and, and he took one-third of the angels in heaven. I don't know how many that was, but he's outnumbered. But he did take a third of them with him when he rebelled. And, and those are demons, what the Bible calls demons, fallen angels. And they're in the earth. 
wreaking, wreaking destruction and havoc. The, the, if, uh, if they weren't in the earth, boy, you wouldn't be seeing the things we're seeing now. See, it's a spiritual warfare going on. CNN doesn't know that. All right? And right now, let's pray for Israel. Father, we lift up Israel to you. Lord, you made a covenant with Israel, with Jacob years ago through Abraham. And we lift up your people, Father, and we ask you to protect them and bless them. Lord, that you would move in their lives and show your son Jesus to them, that they would look to you that many, Lord God, would come in, that they would come into to this, the revelation of the Messiah and experience Jesus Christ. We ask you to protect them, Lord, and let your peace reign in that nation and surround that nation. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Satan wants to wreak havoc in our lives. And one of the ways he can do that is by getting you to focus your attention on yourself. <laughs> sure. He wants you to, put all, to spend your time thinking about you, what you've done or what you haven't done. That's what, that's what Satan's goal is. He wants you to get you to spend your time focusing on yourself. And where Satan will lead you, if you let him, is on a path, an endless path of self-examination. And man, you will go down and down and down and down, and you'll never get there. And that's where religion leads you. Religion is about self-examination, trying to please God, trying to say enough prayers, trying to do enough sacraments, trying to go to church enough, right? Trying to do these things enough to please God, but you can't. Right? Jesus pleased God. Jesus has pleased him, and it's through faith in Christ that he's pleased. So God the Father, on the other hand, he's different than our adversary. He wants all of our attention. He wants the focus of our attention to be on Jesus. Isn't that what Isaiah 26 says? Let's look at Isaiah 26. He pulled that slide up there. This is verse 3 of Isaiah 26. Man, you got to get this scripture. If you don't know it already, great, life-changing promise. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose, go ahead to the next slide, whose list of mistakes is under seven per day. Isn't that a great promise? No, that's not what it says. Oh, just kidding. Okay, let's go to what it really says. Goodness. Whose day consists of at least nine good deeds. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, no. What does it say? You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Wow. This is what God wants for us. When you do that, a relationship develops. Isn't that right? Jennifer is always on my mind. My wife. It's not something I have to force myself to do because there's relationship there. Even before we were in our courtship and married, she was on my mind quite a bit because I wanted to marry her, right? I wanted that relationship. And that's how it works. When you keep your mind stayed on someone, you develop a relationship. So when you keep your mind stayed on what you've done and what you haven't done, what you end up doing is developing a relationship with your mistakes, and your shortcomings. And you get to know your mistakes really well. And it's not going to help you. You end up repeating them and going deeper in them. Right? So you don't have to do that. So who is on prime time in your mind? It's good to know that. 
Who do you spend your time thinking about? Prime time's the, the time when the advertisers pay the big bucks, right, to get their products seen by many. Well, you got to know God paid full price. He gave the price of his son so that he could advertise in you, so that he could broadcast who Jesus is to you, so that inside, man, there are advertisements going on, broadcast, the Holy Spirit would broadcast what Jesus has done for you and who you are in him. And not only to you, not only does God want to broadcast his promises to you, but he wants to broadcast himself through you. Isn't that awesome? So we keep, at Highway Church, man, this is our, this is our habit. We practice this. Keeping our mind stayed on him. We're not playing church. We are the church, right? This is just the way we live. We keep our minds stayed on him. The glory of God is in us. Hallelujah. He's in us now. So if you're born again, Christ lives in you. Isn't that amazing? And you'll find that that is the focus of the gospel. We're going to take a look at this. Now, unfortunately, the fullness of the gospel has not been preached enough. And that's our specialty here at Highway Church, because we want a full relationship with God. We want to know, know every dimension of his character. But what has been preached commonly, the, the version of the gospel that most have gotten, is that if you put your faith in Christ, your sins will be forgiven, and you'll go to heaven. And hey, that's true. Praise God for that. And if that's all there was, that's enough to worship God time without end. And we are so grateful for that. But that's really not the focus of the gospel. The focus of the gospel we're going to find is that God wanted to live in you. Wow. He wanted to make his home inside of you. That's why Jesus came. Not to forgive our sins. They are forgiven. But his goal was not forgiveness of sin. His goal was to become one with us. That's an amazing love. So in the, in the, in the fullness of the gospel, we find that not only are our sins forgiven, they're completely wiped out forever. Fully remitted, gone. But that's not all. That's not all you got to keep going. Not only were our sins completely wiped out, gone forever, but God put the curse of sin on his son Jesus and everything that goes with that. It says in the Bible he put our sicknesses and our diseases on Jesus. Not been preached enough, but he did. You can see that in Isaiah. You can see it in Matthew. You can see it in 1 Peter. Right? That he himself bore our sicknesses, carried our diseases, but that's not all. He took our poverty upon himself, our lack. He was made poor that we might be rich, but that's not all. He made our spirits brand new. Wow. By his spirit. That's what born again means. When Jesus said you must be born again, he was talking about your spirit that your spirit must be made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all. And then he came to live in us. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now that's the gospel. So God himself is living in you if you're born again. How are you born again? You call on the name of Jesus. You confess Jesus as Lord of your life, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you've done that personally, no one can do it for you, then you are born again. And then it's simply a matter of realizing what's happened on the inside of you, okay? Born again. In fact, Paul said something powerful in 1 Corinthians 3.16. And he's writing to those who are born again in Corinth. And look what he says. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. Wow. So as we're going through some scriptures, we got some more scriptures to go through, I want you to just be, to listen to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Let him teach you. Let him speak to you. Let him show you things, all right? Let's look at this gospel in Colossians chapter 1. We're talking about the glory of God. The glory of God is him living in us. <laughs> it's Christ in us. You can't get any more glory than that, right? Colossians chapter 1. Verse 20, we're going to look at this gospel. Let's read about the fullness of this gospel, and we're going to see the focus of the gospel is given to us in verse 27. Well, let's start in verse 20. It's up on the screens if you want to follow along, the screen. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, that's Jesus, to reconcile all things unto himself, because sin had separated us from God. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. Do you believe you're holy this morning? You are. If Jesus is your Lord, you're holy. The Bible calls you a saint. Saint Brian, right? Saint Sharon. Yeah, Saint Alan, right? Sure, Saint Gerard. Holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. Amen. Others might not see it that way, but it's what he, he sees that matters, right? Verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Uh-oh, here's some more religification here. A couple more terms, hope and gospel that have been religified. Hope there in the Greek means confident expectation. Okay? The gospel means good news. Just that simple. So we could read it like this. And be not moved away from the confident expectation of the good news. You see that? Because religion says hope is something off in the future someday maybe. And the gospel, not quite sure what that is with religion. But it's the confident expectation of experiencing the good news that we're talking about here, okay? You don't want to be moved away from that daily expectation, which, which wrong thinking will do. 
it'll move you away from that daily expectation. Thinking about yourself will move you away from that daily expectation. Because, well, I didn't do that right, so maybe I don't deserve to have this now. Don't do that. Think on Him. You deserve what God promised you because of Him, not because of you. All right? So that means 24-7, regardless of what mistakes you've made or where you've fallen short, you deserve the promises of God in your life because Jesus is the foundation of what you deserve. All right? All right. So we, we we're not going to be moved away now from this confident daily expectation of experiencing God's glory, which we have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, hmm. who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. It's amazing the persecution you can go through just trying to tell people the good news. They get mad at you. Isn't that funny? Rejoice in my sufferings for you, and lift up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Verse 25. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Let's look at that verse 25. Now this is something. Now, I, I, I've been in full-time ministry, I guess, about 15 years. But this is something that, that really is, is important because there's a benefit to understanding how God operates. So Paul's saying, I was made a minister. This is not a vocation that I went to a guidance counselor about and filled out a form and decided I should become a minister. There's calling on, on each of our lives for different things. On my life, there was a calling to become a pastor. I didn't understand that when I was uh, growing up, so I didn't know the Bible. But there's a benefit to being connected with each other and understanding our callings. Okay? The calling on your life might be different. Probably is. Right? Different call. You could be, you could be called to be a, a, a teacher. You could be called to, to be um, a businessman. You could be called to be a physician. You could be called to be a lot of things. But there's something... Uh, something different about this calling that was upon Paul's life. And there's something special about us gathering together as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an anointing that God has put on those who are called. And it's not, not tooting my horn or anything like that. But what I want you to do is not look at me. I want you to, to look to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to the calling that God has put upon my life. It's for your benefit. See, God knew that Highway Church was going to be here before we ever did. And it's really not by coincidence that we're all together. I didn't know it was all going to happen the way it did, but it did. And as I look back now, I see God's amazing grace working things out and bringing us together. So there are benefits here for you. And the, the calling on my life is to unveil Christ, to bring people into that relationship with the real Jesus. And you will benefit greatly from that. So I'm not a religious person, just teaching about myself. And again, this is not about lifting up a pastor or, or trying to exalt myself. I just want you to get to know me. 
because there are benefits to understanding how I, how, what God's done in me, okay? So there's a benefit to this relationship we have. So when you come in on Sunday mornings, and hey, the theater's open like at 9.30. Come on in anytime before you can come early and just relax, you know, and, and pray with one another, fellowship with one another, and get ready for this time that we spend at 10 o'clock, okay? Just get ready. I mean, when you get up in the morning, we like to play worship music in our house quite a bit, especially like Saturday night, Sunday morning. We just leave it playing, you know, overnight in our kitchen. We just have that thing running, uh, and, I, and I get up, go down, and have my grape nuts and uh, blueberries, and uh, I band that worship music. I like to hear that playing because we just want to be in that frame of mind that we step in this place. We receive from God's anointing, okay? Yeah. So there's, a, there's an anointing and calling upon my, my life to, to cut through the religious thinking, to, to, take, to peel that away and unveil Christ, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him, okay? So it's good to know that there's a great benefit to, to, to receiving what the Lord is doing here. All right, so there's this benefit, he says, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, verse 26, that is... The mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. Wow, it's been revealed. What is this mystery? Verse 27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. And here it is. Here's the mystery. Christ in you. What's hope mean? Confident. confident expectation. Christ in you, the competent, confident expectation. What's glory? Supernatural life of God. So let's read it. Which is Christ in you, the confident expectation of the supernatural life of God. Amen. Amen. You see that? It reads differently, doesn't it, when you understand what the words mean? When you peel those religious layers back. Right? So this, this God willed to make known to us this morning, right, the riches of his supernatural life, which is Christ in you, the confident expectation of experiencing this supernatural life. This is so good. So this, uh, this gospel is just that, Christ in you. Let's stay in Colossians. Let's stay in Colossians. Go to chapter 2. This is so good. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6, and it says, as you have, notice that's past tense, as you, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So there's a daily decision, isn't there? Yes, yes, to yes. walk in him, right? To keep our minds stayed on him. He's writing to people who are, so just being born again doesn't make anything automatic, Right? It's a daily decision to practice the presence of God in our lives. To practice knowing the glory of God is in us now. Okay? To walk in Him. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walking something we do every day, right? Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you. Ooh. How do, how do you get cheated? Through philosophy. Ooh. 
What's philosophy mean? Love of wisdom. Ooh. Love of man's wisdom, right? Trying to figure out, trying to live your life based on your own wisdom instead of God's. So you can be cheated out of this glory through wrong thinking. And empty deceit according to the what? Tradition of men. Whoa. According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. And once you experience the reality of Christ living in you, you see how vain and empty the traditions of religion are. And boy, you just want the real thing now. See? So beware, and then verse, verse 9, for in him, who's him? Jesus, right? And we just read it earlier in, in chapter uh, 1 that where is Jesus? In you, right? So for in him dwells what? All the fullness of the Godhead bodily, right? No, what's this? Verse 10. And you are complete in him. What? Who is the head of all principality and power? I took a logic class one time when I was a freshman at a university in Pennsylvania. Let's do some simple logic. Logic says simply like, you know, if A is true, and then B is true. Then C must be true. So let's do some simple logic. So we learned that Christ is in us, right? So if A, if in Christ dwells all the fullness of God, go back to verse 9 there, right? So here's A, right? In Christ dwells all the fullness of God. That's 100% God, right? Let's go to verse next verse. For if in him dwells all the fullness of, and you are complete in him, Christ is in you, so the fullness of God is in Christ. B, Christ is in you. What does that mean? What's C? The fullness of God is where? In you. <laughs> the fullness of God is where? In you. Wow. I'm filled with the fullness of God. Have you ever said that about yourself? If you haven't, you should begin today. All the way home. I'm filled with the fullness of God. Christ lives in me. The more you say it and believe it, the more you'll experience it. That became a regular confession of mine years ago. I'm filled with the fullness of God. And Satan said, no, you're not. Look at you. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. No, I'm filled with the fullness of God. Let's say that together. I am filled with the fullness of God. Think about yourself. Think about Christ in you. Say it again. I'm filled with the fullness of God. Now think about all the things you've got to do, all the challenges in your life, everything you need, and say it again. I'm filled with the fullness of God. I'm filled with the fullness of God. So that's something we believe. We've received this truth at Highway Church. There are some believers that would not even say something like that. They think that may be uh, disrespectful or, or a wrong thing to say, but that's just the Bible. Okay? So when you, Monday, you've got challenges facing you, or you go home today and there's a challenge facing you, instead of worrying about it, wondering how it's going to work, say that to yourself. Christ lives in me, and I'm filled with the fullness of God. 
and see the glory of God manifest in your life. See whatever it is, see it fixed. See that your needs met according to his presence in your life. See the glory of God manifest in you. God is good. Do you know it was God's pleasure to have his fullness dwell in you? It, was, it pleased God for Christ to dwell in you? Let's, look, let's go back. Uh, let's look at um, Colossians chapter 1 again, verse 19. Look what it says. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in who? Jesus, and we know it was the Father's good pleasure for Jesus to dwell in us. All right, one more, two more scriptures and we're done, okay? Ezekiel, we're going to look at the, the, the prophecy of Ezekiel that tells about what we just read in, in, in Colossians, okay? Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, and then we'll look at John and we'll be done. Ezekiel 36, 25, this is the prophet Ezekiel. This is a long time before Jesus ever came, and he's prophesying about what God would do through Jesus Christ, okay? Let's look at this. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Water is symbolic of the word. Through receiving God's word, we're forgiven, okay? Well, you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from how much? All your filthiness and from all your idols. Next verse. Look at this. Here's where we talked about the fullness of the gospel earlier. Not only will I forgive you and cleanse you, I will give you a new heart. It's being born again right there. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone. That's what our heart was like before Jesus, before we were born again. I will take that heart of stone, that brittle, hard, cold thing out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a heart that soft and responds to his spirit, okay? He's not done yet. You think that'd be enough? Washed clean, made pure, a new heart? No. I will put my spirit within you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do that. So this was God's good pleasure. This was God's plan all along to make his home in us. Last scripture, John 14, 23. That's what Jesus said. It's a summary of Ezekiel, but this is how Jesus said it. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And look at this. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Christ has made his home in you. All the fullness of God is living in you. You can't get any more glory than that. Christ in you is the daily confidence that you have of experiencing God's life, God's glory in every situation and circumstance. Christ in us is the confidence we have of the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking, the maimed made whole, the poor made rich, the captive set free. It's Christ in us. So at Highway Church, we cultivate this mindset. And man, when we gather on Sunday mornings for our corporate worship, we've already, we've already been in that mindset all week. And if we haven't, we just shift gears and get into it. 
right? And we come into this place ready for the glory of God to manifest in us, for the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the captives to be set free. Christ in us, the certainty of glory. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this amazing plan that was a mystery for so long. But it's been revealed through Christ. Your plan to not only wash us clean and make us pure, not only to give us a heart that's new and responds to your spirit, but for you to come and live in us. And we rejoice in this reality that Christ Jesus himself is living in us now. It removes all fear. It removes all worry. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to remind us of this throughout each day, even when we're sleeping. Lord, you have started a new church full of your glory where Christ is known, where the, the layers of religion are peeled back and men, women, and children experience you. Go, God. Do amazing things here. Show your people your glory. Stretch forth your hand and save and heal and deliver in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are born again, Christ lives in you. Christ in us is the confidence we have of daily experiencing the glory of God. So put your trust in Him, keep your mind stayed on Him, and let His glory manifest in you. In Jesus' name, amen.